Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Restless, and today is actually Ladies' Day here on Restless, where we young adults are seeking after the face of Christ, seeking His will in our life and in our mixed-up, crazy, mad, mad world. And it's Ladies' Day because we've got Diane, Lauren, and Carmelina here. We're going to be talking about feminism, particularly Catholic feminism, kind of the Catholic view on women. You know, not too long ago, we did an episode on men how we needed manly men, but we also need womanly women. I don't know if that's the right way to say it, but we'll go with it. more or less, you know. <laughs> so let's just start off. Like, how do you define feminism? Because in today's world, you know, that word is so loaded. I mean, what, what do you think is a good definition of feminism? Because there's kind of, I guess, a good feminism and a bad feminism. Yeah, so I'll go with the bad feminism to start. Um, <laughs> go for it. <laughs> and actually, these are not my words. I recently um, read a book called The Privilege of Being a Woman by Alice von Hildebrand. And she defines sort of, I mean, it's it's talking about sort of this whole feminist movement and um, sort of like the um, just aspects of it. So she says that the agenda of feminists while animated by hatred of men, aims at virilizing women so that they can gain control over their bodies. And once liberated from biological ties, women will be able to develop their talents, which for centuries have been crushed by social taboos. So feminism is about making women into men. Right. And kind of alienating them from the body, Mm -hmm. from their own bodies. Yeah. That's an interesting perspective. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. What an interesting definition. It almost is parallel to, to Marxism. And kind of the roots of that. Sure. Um, anyway, I looked up a very high-level, vague definition. And it's just the desire for equal rights between men and women. So that sounds like a positive thing. It can be, yes, depending on how it's applied. Yeah, I think it's a very positive thing. And also something that the church advocates for Absolutely. actively. Yeah. So that's interesting. So we have a, a very negative definition and a very positive definition that can be used very positively. Lauren, I think you have to find the middle ground. Well, I went with more positive. I found history.com sort of, and then I added my own ending to it. So it's belief in political, economical, and cultural equality of women. And this is the part I added. And the movement to bring about equal opportunities, freedoms, and respect. That sounds pretty positive. That's what I would like to think the movement is. And that's what I would, you know, support and... Yeah, and I think that there's different views of the movement, right? So, like, there's this there's this common sort of what you guys are talking about is this sense of mission, right? And so, um, but in order to sort of, like, <laughs> the feminine genius that, you know, like St. Paul, St. John Paul II talks about, we have to open our minds to sort of, like, the... Um, like the message of the supernatural, and that's the key to sort of like the greatness of femininity, which is something that like the secular movement is lacking. So be honest with me for a moment, and and this is a question we haven't prepared. So I'm curious what your honest like first thoughts are. You know, as as women, do you feel like there is a lack of equality, maybe in the business world, maybe in the church, maybe in the just how the world views women in general? I think it exists, absolutely. And I think it has to be applied situationally, right? You know, you can't just blanket statement, um, there is inequality, and just because I'm a woman, therefore I'm a victim in some sort of way, and I'm I'm oppressed. Like, based on my current situation, who I am, I can only speak for my personal experiences, and my answer would be absolutely no. I am treated equally in the workplace. I feel like I am treated equally in the church space, and I am 
incredibly involved in all of those. But I also don't want to discredit, you know, the experiences of some women who have been victimized in some sort of way, because that experience, especially in other countries, is very real. Um, but me personally, no, absolutely not. I I have the utmost respect for my coworkers. They have what I believe respect for me, and I have not had an issue. Have I had a few instances and in, over the course of my life? Absolutely, but you know, water off a duck's back. Sure, sure. I don't think you can get through life without being wounded in some way. Absolutely. And, you know, whether as a woman or as I mean, as a Catholic in general, or you know, absolutely. Certainly, as a clergy, I've had a few run-ins with people who are not fans of clergy. Right. You know. Right. Precisely. What about you think? Like Lauren and Diane? Uh, so it was, do you feel like we haven't had equality? Yeah. Have you, have you personally ever experienced that in your life? You know, it's tough. I mean, I, I feel like men don't always treat me as an equal. Mm. That my opinion or, you know, in the sports world, you know, if I'm implementing what I think we need to run as a play or trying to correct something, it could easily just go over a man's head. Like I didn't say it at all. They can't hear my words because I'm a woman saying it to them. Then I'll use the tactic of telling my male teammate to tell that man what I want them to do. <laughs> and does that work? Yeah. Like that was recommended to me or, you know, someone said that and I'm like, oh, okay, well, I want them to do this. So if I have to use someone else for them to do what I want, that's fine <laughs> with me because I'm trying to make our team win here. Right. So I have seen that dynamic. Um, I don't know. I do think there is something to it that a man responds differently to a woman than another man. We're not, you know, it's not equal respect. Uh, I don't know. Well, of course, you know, you played professional ultimate frisbee and, yes. on the women's team, right? Yes, and, do and the they, men's team. And, oh, the men's team as well? Mm -hmm. So do you find like there's a lot less like fans for the women's team or no, that it's just not as respected? No, there were tons of fans for the women's. Oh, good. It was awesome. Good. The The fans were crowded. It was a blast. Um it's different. I mean, so I just think of like the WNBA. Yeah, you know, it's, it's not as nearly no, as popular as the NBA, you know, or, or yeah. women's softball. Women's softball, but which Carmelina played in college. <laughs> yeah, Carmelina is a big time athlete here too. It's true. Yeah, but I just learned about that last sports. week. You were just oh really? <laughs> I didn't know about your athletic background. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, there's definitely a difference. I think uh, in in men's and women's sports, but. The culture wants to support women's sports now, I think more than ever. Right? Definitely. Which is great. And I support that. And I don't know. It, like the games are different. You know what I mean? They, they are different styles of the sport, but they can both be good. You know what I mean? Sure. So. Sure. I mean, there's an artistry to play softball that is very different than the artistry in baseball. Absolutely. But there's diehard women's softball fans. But again, like to say that, so I, I played in Pennsylvania where women's softball might not be as, as popular. And, and where did you go to school? The University of Pittsburgh. And it's, th there's more fans at the baseball game, but you go down to the South and there's the same number of fans at every game. I mean, women's softball, you look at Oklahoma, it's huge. So hmm. if you go to Pitt and there's three people in the fans, it's like, oh no, we're not, some might say, oh, it's not equal. You know, we don't have enough of this, but you got to go to the South. I mean, that's... I, I played that's college baseball, and we had about three people in the stands. There so. you go. <laughs> <laughs> so it I, really I know, depends on where you I know go. what it's like. Yeah, we were Division right. three and pretty terrible. You got to be good, too. Yeah. <laughs> Any thoughts, Diane? Um, I mean, actually, my experience has been 
almost that I feel like it's an advantage to be a woman in sort of like, at least in the workplace and um, my, you know, in terms of like, I work with a lot of men, I'm in public accounting um, at one of the big four. And I think that, uh, you know, uh, women sort of bring out, I think what Lauren, you were saying before, like men kind of react differently to women. And um, so I think that like a woman's perspective kind of brings out other things in men um, that they, you know, like might not sort of uh, show or um, when they're just interacting with men. And mm. uh, I think that honestly, like a lot of these companies too, because it's such of a, it's such a um, important, I guess, uh, movement in society, like th- these big firms are very committed to sort of, you know, like Equality. <laughs> elevating women, but yeah, to the, you know, um, just to make sure, you know, women, so maybe minorities, you get, all that You can stuff. get promoted perhaps easily, more easily. Yeah, uh, potentially. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I personally, I, I can only speak to my personal experience. So, and I, I don't, I like it, I think it's very dangerous to sort of like gen- make a generalization based on experience as well too, because you don't really know what the root cause of any sort of like person doing things to you or whatever is. Sure, um, sure. For, for the most part. Yeah, absolutely. So, so then this feminism, so it sounds like, you know, you've had both, you know, for the most part, pretty positive experiences, but as Lauren shared, you know, there is definitely some inequality. So is feminism then something that can, can be compatible with our Catholic faith? Because obviously there's, there seems to be a need for greater equality and greater respect for women in society. But obviously this has been kind of taken in some interesting directions. Right. So is feminism compatible? Oh, yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think... Um in uh, the catechism, I mean, it talks about the per, like respective perfections of man and woman reflects something of the infinite perfection of God. So um, there, there's definitely something to be said about like living sort of this uh, um, authentic femininity. But I think that sort of society and the world that we live in, um, the outlook is so distorted that we like. Um, I mean, Alice von Hildebrand says that we absolutize what is relative. So like money making, power, success, and relativize what is absolute. So there's this like focus and glorification on strength and um, like denigration of weakness um, has been sort of like the core of feminist belief now. And with that overestimation of those qualities, um, you know, you kind of like uh, there's less of a focus on what women can bring to the table and like, you know, what what is weakness? What is, um, you know, like... You know, I would never... It, weakness is not necessarily a bad thing. It's like humility is the virtue that finds, like, the least favor in this world, but it's ultimately, you know, like... Um, and I would I would use you know, the word tenderness mm-hmm. that women bring to the table. Yeah, you yeah, know, there's just exactly. This, and it's not weakness. It's it's just a, a beautiful openness yeah. to relationship, a beautiful openness to, to beauty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's... Men don't necessarily have. Sort of a misinterpretation of, of what that means. And I mean... Um, yeah, I, I think there there's this overemphasis on production and efficiency and like what can you produce. So true. Um, and I mean, what Alice talks about in this book is that like one day all human accomplishments will be reduced to a pile of ashes. And, but every single child whom a woman has given birth will live forever um, because he's been given, you know, an immortal soul. So, that's very true. Yeah. So it's like yeah. the this idea that women don't produce anything. It's like that's not true. You produce a human soul. Crazy. Yeah. <laughs> it's right. the most important mm-hmm. thing in the world and family. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I don't I don't know if feminism would be so much of a topic or an issue if if society and in, including, you know, many Catholics actually stop to think about the church's stance on on women. So you don't feel like the church is down on women? 
I think they are. I think, I think if you go back to Genesis, so, you know, God gave us his church, right? If we truly practice that, if we look at Genesis and if we truly believe that God created creation or the universe in a sort of hierarchical, hierarchical sort of way, he created woman last, meaning that she was the prize of his creation. Absolutely. Um, so that's how the church sees woman. And not only that, but we see in Mary that salvation of us all came through woman. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's incredible. So to say that the church is down on women, why? Because we can't be priests. I mean, let's let's look deeper into that as well. Like, I, And I also think that that's a false way of looking at it too, because our job as Catholics isn't to impose upon the church of what we think is right, what we think is equal. It's to practice what God has revealed to us. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes it's working within those bounds that he has set within the church, because that's truly at the end of the day, what will lead us to salvation and to him, which is what matters the most. So if we practice that, I think from a practical standpoint, and actually thought about how the church sees women, I I don't think this would be an issue because women are not suppressed or oppressed by men or the church. In fact, they're venerated. And I think another um, distortion that we see with because of original sin is the distortion of what leadership is supposed to be. Right. You know, if, if men are supposed to be those who are, you know, given that hierarchical role in the church as bishops and priests, that's supposed to be for service. Right. Which means really laying down your life. It's not about honor and titles and, and wearing fancy clothes. It's about sacrificing yourself so that everyone beneath you flourishes and experiences God's grace and mercy in so many powerful ways. And because of original sin, that's been flipped upside down. And now leaders just want the power and the honors and the money and and that's, I think, what a lot of people are reacting to. So you know, why are the men over us? But the truth is men should be serving. Right. But back to original sin, part of the punishment was that women were subject to men, correct? Um, I think it's part of... It was meant to be equality in the beginning. Yeah, you could say, I suppose, that, that the subjection... I, I don't think it was necessarily part of the punishment, but more so that God was actually just revealing that this was going to be what it was going to unfold throughout history okay, because of original sin. Right. I mean, and that's certainly the case, right? Women were slaves. They were the property of their husbands. They had no rights, right? right. I mean, and right. that, that went on for centuries. <laughs> and then Jesus came around and liberated women. I His say. relationship with women was so scandalous at the time. Exactly. You know, to treat them as equals and have that kind of deep intimacy with them on a spiritual level, obviously. And give them dignity, you know? I, I mean, the woman at the well is like the classic example of that story. If she's getting water by herself, then she's shunned, right? right? Because all women probably would have done it at the same time in the day, typically the morning, I believe. Mm-hmm. So she's there alone in the afternoon. So, you know, her community knows who she is and she's an outcast. And he asks her, right, to p- fetch him water, which I think is already so against their culture that he's interacting with her, that she's there at that time of the day, that he's asking her to do that for her. And then obviously he gives her the living water, right? I mean, he redeems her and that, that's what he does for all of us. And of course, I mean, you, you can even look at um, the Jewish culture still today, right? Orthodox Jew, women do not have the same rights as their husbands, right? And mm-hmm. if you go around the Holy Land, things are segregated between men and women. It's It's still definitely within the Jewish culture. So... I think that just goes to show an example or a way or the truth in that Jesus did liberate women 
Definitely, definitely. And I, I love the ending of that story too, because that woman then goes back to her city and starts mm-hmm. being an apostle to the rest and mm-hmm. says, you know, come meet this man who told me everything I did. And, and mm-hmm. they come and they encounter Christ because of her witness. You know, these hard-hearted men. Yeah. yeah. It, it is true. I think the church really has elevated women throughout history and continues to do so. So have you ever read then uh, Pope John Paul II's letter to women? Yes, I have read it. I've actually never read it. I need, oh, okay. I need to do that. <laughs> so give me a summary. What is it? I <laughs> just it read about? it. I read um I read some excerpts from it just a few days ago. And it's just this incredible, like this the one piece that just stuck out is how he thanks women in all these various vocations of their lives. He thanks women who are sisters, who are mothers, who are in the workforce, who are religious. And he also thanks them and recognizes maybe the crosses that they bear and the contributions that they make to society. And it just goes completely against the grain of the thought that, oh, the church's expectation for women is that they're um, barefoot and pregnant, right? <laughs> right. That's Have 12 stereotype. kids, which is beautiful as well. You know, if that's the vocation that a woman has, that's absolutely beautiful. But it's also beautiful if she's a nurse or a doctor or a sister or a lay consecrate. All of these different facets just give us the depth of how beautiful femininity is and and like the gift that God had given us as women and how they exercise like the prism of beauty in each of these vocations that women have, whether from their humility to their tenderness to their generosity and what makes them just flourish and sanctify society because they are um, just living out their womanhood, essentially. It's mm-hmm. beautiful. That's great. That's yeah. Great. And I've read read it as well. And, it, you know, one of the one of the other points that I think he, he talks about is just how, like, women compliment men and sort mm-hmm. of, like, complimentarity um, and how, well, like... thank you. I know I look good in the shirt. <laughs> I'm not that kind of compliment. No. But it's... Uh, <laughs> I couldn't resist. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but, yeah, that, so that it's, like, only through the sort of that duality of, like, the masculine and feminine that he, the human being finds its full realization, which is kind of, I mean, to my point before, of the respective perfections of men and women. Uh, he's, he's talking about sort of, Carmelina, what you were saying of receptivity, generosity, motherhood, all of those things, whether physical or spiritual, and um, sort of the, you know, uh, that having both like authentic femininity and authentic masculinity, the importance of that sort of combination in reflecting sort of the full image of God. um, And that has a huge impact on society, family, everything. So have you ever seen that lived out well, that relationship between men and women, that complementarity? I have in certain Catholic relationships, for sure. Nice. Absolutely. Nice. Well, since I said how I sometimes have difficulties with men who don't listen to me, I can also say I've had friendships with men that were excellent. And going back to the sports reference again, like a co-captain who completely respects me, we get along, even just a friend of mine that... I met when I came back from college. He's like 10 years older than me. He was kind of like a mentor to me, brought me up in the sport, kind of coached me on what you have to do to make a club team, just very supportive. Um, So I've had great friendships, you know, with men who support me and help me and build me up and are trying to help me get to the next level. Because also, I think, as we all know, sometimes with women, you know, with women can be difficult Right, like there can be the cattiness, yeah, the, yeah, it, or just dislike, <laughs> you know, kind of for no reason, not being warranted, I'd say, or like kind of being shunned by other women, you know, like that definitely happens. I've certainly experienced that plenty, 
you know? So the male relationships kind of balance that out. Definitely. So. Yeah. I just, I just look at my own parents, you know, as a great example of that, you know, I mean, certainly if I skin my knee, I'm running to my mom because right. dad would just look at that and be like, ah, cool scar. You know, you've mm-hmm. said that before. <laughs> and my memory actually is that my skin knees were dealt with by my dad. Really? But I specifically remember being squirted with something like green lid, white bottle. And I'm like, no, it's going to sting. He's like, it's not going to sting. And of course it stung, you know? <laughs> oh, no. so I don't know what love. it was. Yeah. I just want to share that. I definitely remember I had the skin knees all the time as a kid. Same. Yeah. So. Playing sports, that'll do it. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Definitely. But I think for people, you know, who haven't sort of been able to witness to this type of relationship, um, I would say like a functioning relationship, the Bible, I mean, Ephesians 5, there's a beautiful just example of sort of this like, you know, um, be subordinate to one another out of reverence for Christ. But it talks about how, you know, like the husband is the head of the wife and, um, you know, like husbands love your wives, even as Christ loved the church and handed himself over for her. So it kind of, I mean, it talks about sort of like, you know, like that, how did how did Christ love? You know, like it was sacrificial um, to the point of total self-gift. And uh, that's sort of how the relationship is, you know, it's not just this like you can't take pieces of it and see this like domineering, um, you know, aspect. It's it's not that. You have to read it in totality. So Sure. But obviously both parts need to be lived out. And that is, it's difficult when um, when people are imperfect. So it's, right. yeah. Funny story about that. The only, there was only one time in my life as a priest in uh, eight years of priesthood that somebody interrupted my homily. And it was because of that reading. But the funny thing is I wasn't preaching about that reading. I was preaching about the gospel. And I'd gotten about almost to the end of my homily. I was kind of wrapping up. And this woman stood up in the middle of my homily and said, I'd like to object. Like, what? 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 She's like, I'd like to object to that first reading from Ephesians. I, I disagree with it. I was like, can we continue this conversation after Mass? <laughs> <laughs> and she went on and on. And, and later on, we did continue the conversation, and she shared that she had been badly abused by a husband who had taken that verse out of context mm-hmm. and said, well, you're my wife, you must be subordinate. But I think the key is that first verse in Ephesians 5, which says, be subordinate to one another mm-hmm. out of reverence to Christ. So it's that mutual giving of yourself, yeah. buying yourself. And I think that's just in general the danger of this feminist movement of like people picking and choosing things like oh men have done this men have done that but it's kind of like if you take things out of context especially when it comes to um the supernatural you know it's uh it's very easy to kind of like skew things to support whatever opinion that you have and it's interesting that the feminist movement was really about power right Right. dominating but in reality one we should be subject to one another Mm -hmm. out of christ so it's not about power it's about humility yeah ultimately so then what do you think the church can then do better, and the society really, to do better to respect and empower women? Because you know, obviously there, there are issues out there, and there are women who, who don't feel valued and who don't feel like this is a message that resonates with them, or maybe they've never heard it. I think a lot of it has to do with society's partial understanding of what the church actually says, right? I mean, I think, I don't want to say ignorance, but essentially ignorance, right? So I think it, it starts really with the church itself, right? Making sure that parishioners are educated on the truth of the church. And then those parishioners would naturally just spill it out into the rest of society. So I think at the end of the day, you know, the church in itself is is perfect. It has imper- imperfect people, which is what makes it flawed, but the church at its core is, is perfect. And I think that if we all, you know, really take the time to understand what what is said about women, then I think we would all be better off and there might be a little less 
tension. <laughs> Certainly. This just came to me just now, but maybe in religious education, we should actually teach about chastity and the value and dignity of every individual and why people should wait for marriage. Because I think most of us know you can't do that, but you don't know why. And it's um, more about having something true and meaningful and in full trust that we all want and we all deserve. So if it's actually explained and taught, it it would be, you know, seen as worth it, right? Worthwhile. And we could maybe combat what society is doing, which is just this total over-sexualization, right, of women. Like anywhere you could look now, right, even driving in your car, if it's like a billboard, oh, like yeah. TV. Sex sells toothpaste. It's, it's just right. everywhere. It it's is like, totally <laughs> taken over the world. And I know that has to be affecting young boys, right, and their, you know, opinion and thoughts of women definitely that they can be used and we do see women being used and even women probably lose their own self-value without even knowing it i I just think we're all mixed up in that way because of society so the church could shed light to some truth and so connected with that is is not only chastity but modesty Mm -hmm. on the part of women you know because a man a man will always go to his base instincts if a woman seems to be putting her body on display but right a woman should be more than a body. Yeah, and that's really interesting because this book, The Privilege of Being a Woman, which I highly recommend that everyone read, it's kind of, you know, it talks about how modesty is a response women should give to the mystery of their bodies and how sort of like our um, reproductive organs, um, the most intimate organs, they're they're hidden um, and they're not visible. And so there's this sort of mystery and they're also veiled, which symbolizes, you know, like in the church, something sacred. Um, So it's, I mean, it's basically it's sort of like symbolizes that women's reproductive organs are stamped by that sacredness and that, you know, like modesty is the natural response to that. And to your point, like men, I feel, I feel like if when women are pure, men will respect and venerate them. It's when, you know, so it's, it's kind of that education, I guess what Lauren was saying. Yeah. We have a girl, girl in our youth group who's always stood out to me because of her incredible modesty. Mm-hmm. And she, I know you're talking about. She wears, um, she wears clothes that kind of come out of the 1920s. I'd say 50s. 50s? 50s I'd say like, 50s. Like a hoop skirt 40s, 50s. and like, you know, like a poodle, poodle skirt. I think that's what they called it. Yeah. And yep. it's, it's it, the way in which she, she carries herself is with such incredible dignity mm-hmm. that you almost, you, you want to give her great respect because you know she's got respect for herself. Mm-hmm. Right. She was, she's also a ballerina, so she has incredible posture. <laughs> yeah, so that helps too. <laughs> that, is also, that is also true. That is also true. <laughs> it helps. So, you know, I think one part of it is that we have to start recognizing the great gifts that women uniquely bring to society. So what are those gifts that, that only women can bring to society and to the church? Generosity. I mean, motherhood, whether physical or spiritual, I think that's something that God has entrusted to women and that um, all women are called to do regardless of whether, you know, you actually have a child or um, just being a spiritual mother. So, yeah. Mm. Right. Jason Everett says that motherhood and fatherhood are not what you do, but who you are. Mm -hmm. That's very true. Because ultimately, if life's not about yourself, it's about giving it away. Being a mother is giving it away to someone that's utterly dependent upon you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Pope St. John Paul II talks about in his Feminine Genius, the four characteristics of women, generosity, um, maternity, sens- sensitivity, and receptivity, and how receptivity is at the very core of all of these, and how a woman's 
essential yes, like Our Lady is the very foundation for her kind of entire being and what makes her unique to being a woman because our entire being is is meant to receive and it's up to us to discern what to receive. In the case of Our Lady, it was the yes from God, essentially. And we see it in our own sensitivity where we receive others, right? We receive, we have a unique tenderness to receive others in their need as well. Sure. So that relational aspect, which right. men, men can be very happy sometimes just being by themselves for three weeks at a time. Yep. <laughs> Women have a deeper need for relationship and that's a gift, yeah. such a gift. And that receptivity too. I mean, it's a lot of times confused with passivity, but it's actually, mm. you know, a self-giving. Absolutely. Right. Thanks so much for joining us in this episode of Restless. And to all you women out there, please rejoice in your dignity because you are a beloved daughter of God, bringing beauty and tenderness into this world as God's image. You really are the high point of creation. You can join us on Veritas Catholic Radio, 1350 AM, and also wherever you get your podcasts. Like us on social media. Have a great day.